0: Welcome guys, we're so glad that you guys are here. We are journeying through the book of Acts. Uh, We are on the back end of chapter 2 in that. And what we're learning in Acts is not just uh, how do we relate individually to Jesus, but how do we relate corporately to the Holy Spirit. Uh, And so last week we talked about the Spirit, we talked about the ways the Spirit moves, how the Spirit moves. We talked about how as a church we are becoming the people uh, of God and how when we look at who are we becoming and who do we want to be, the place we often go to is Acts. So the, book of, uh, the, the Gospels teach us how the disciples related to Jesus, how they interacted with Jesus, how they walked with Jesus, how they were trained by Jesus, and how they were transformed and became the people that he had called them to be. Acts is a picture of how the church, how the, the disciples of Jesus created the church, and how they related to the Holy Spirit. Uh, And so we want to continue in that journey, and we want to do some really familiar passages in Acts, is we want to kind of start in Acts 2.42. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have one, you can put your hand in the air, and we'd love to put a Bible in your hand so that you can have one. Just raise it up high, and someone will grab one from the back there and bring you one, and you feel free to keep those Bibles and hang on to them. Uh, when, When any family joins together, you have to figure out, you're going to be right so uh, we have a lot of young married folks in the room who are experiencing this right now come on young married folks Uh, we got a lot of folks who have just kind of been married in the last two or three years and what happens is these two families join together and they become one and you have to figure out who are we going to be together Because we had these kind of rhythms in my family growing up and you had these kind of rhythms in your family growing up and now we just have to fight to see who wins, right? Uh, I think it's funny, when when men get married, and women, I'm curious about this, when men get married, the thing that people come up and say to you is this, like you'll get like these old guys who've been married for 50 years who will come up and shake your hand and they don't say like, congratulations, we're super excited for you. They say this, hey, pick your battles. Pick your battles. The, the women, does anybody ever say that to women or is it just the men that have to pick our battles? I think the reason why is because we already know the women are gonna win the battles, right? So I think you're why you're you're like mothers are saying to you like, you're gonna win. Right? That's what they're saying to you. Like, don't worry. In the long run, you'll win. Uh, but this is how we relate to one another. And so what happens is when you're first married, you've got these rhythms. So like when we first got married, our families did holidays completely different. Right? So so the way that my family did Christmas and Thanksgiving and all of these things was completely different from the way that Sarah did Sarah's family did. And I was like, no, my way's better. And she was like, no, my way's better. And then she won. Right? Right? Uh, no, and then we, we sorted it out. We talked together and we figured out how do we kind of work it together and how do we make this work and, and what does this look like? We vacationed really differently. Like the way that our family took trips, the way that our family rested was completely different than the rhythms that their family had created and the ways that they had lived into and all the things that they did. The way that my family handled their finances was very different than the way my wife's family did because hers was smart and mine was not. Like there's, there's all kinds of different ways that when you join together families, you gotta figure out who are we gonna be now and what are the rhythms that we're going to live into. And I would suggest that the same thing happens in the church every single Sunday. Except it's just not two families, it's lots of families. So we've got a lot of families represented in this room today. And all of us have different backgrounds with church, and all of us have different songs that we prefer. All of us have different styles of worship that we like. All of us have different ways that we want to interact. All of us have different programs that we want us to do. All of us have different hearts in the way that we want to serve. All of us have different passions of things we believe the church has to get involved in. And what we have to do is we've got to come together and figure out who has God called us to be. And so, what we do is we lay down our preferences to become who God has called us to be. Because our heart, from the very beginning of planting Grace Marietta, has not been that we plant a church for us, it's that we plant a church for the community. It's not been that we create the kind of church that we want to be a part of, that we need to be a part of, it's becoming the type of church that this community needs. And so we're prayerfully and, 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 and seeking the Holy Spirit and asking the Lord, who do you want us to be, who do you want us to become, and what does it look like for us to become the type of church that this community needs and to become the type of church that you're calling us to be? And so we lean into this week after week, month after month, year after year, co-discerning together of who we're becoming. So here's what I believe without a shadow of a doubt. I believe that practices are always greater than intentions. Practices are always greater than intentions. And so there, we, we just kind of came out of a series where we brought in all the pastors from all the different grace communities and we talked about our values. And our values are great, but let's be honest about our values. They're aspirational. All right, so whenever you say, this is the type of community that we want to become, we want to be dreamers, we want to be disciples, we want to be all these different things that we said we are. These are the things that we want to become. They're aspirational until they become practices. So what I believe is that Christians are people who have great intentions and pretty bad practices. Are you with me? We all want to be good neighbors, Every single one of us. I have never met, I've been pastoring for a really long time, and I've never had anybody in any of my congregations come to me and say, hey, that love your neighbor is yourself thing, I'm not in on that one. I I don't want to do that. I I, I don't want to practice that. I'm out. Everybody wants to be a good neighbor. Everybody has the intention of being a good neighbor, right? The challenge for us is we don't have good practices of how we become good neighbors, we don't know how to practice. We don't have rhythms. And so there is a way that we can build the church where we set these aspirational values for ourselves. We say, this is who we are, this is who we're becoming. But if that is not combined with practices, then we're missing the point. Peter Drucker said it this way He said, culture each strategy for breakfast. Right? the culture that you build, the practices that you lean into are so much more valuable than just putting some core values on the wall and saying these are the things that we believe. So what it comes down to is what are you doing? What are we doing? So as Christians, I believe there's two things that tell us who we are and what we believe. It's our calendar and our checkbook. And everything else can lie, but that'll tell the truth about us. It'll tell the truth about what we really believe. It'll tell the truth about who we really trust. It'll tell the truth about what our real life is. Because the reason we don't do things, oftentimes we've got all kinds of excuses as to why we don't do things. So I don't do it because I'm busy. I don't do it because my kids are running around everywhere. I don't do it because of this. The reason we don't do things is because we don't want to do things. That's the truth. That's the reality. It's because we prioritize something else above something else and we've decided in our hearts that this is the way that we're gonna live. And so for us, we've gotta dive down to who are we becoming, what are the practices that we're living into, and how does this all play out for us together? It's kinda complicated, are you with me? Like. It's not an easy thing to gather a bunch of people together from different backgrounds and and different parts of the city and everybody with different religious history and church history and to come all together and say, let's do something together and make a difference in Cobb County. It's a challenge. And so the question is, where do we go for wisdom? Where do we go to discern who we're going to be? And I would suggest we go to God's word. I would suggest we look at Acts. We look at the early church because it's the framework of how God's people and Jesus' disciples built the church. And so it matters for us. And so we've come up with a couple real simple rhythms that we practice here in the church. The first one is the most fun. All right, this is the, the first one is the most fun. The first is that we eat and we celebrate. That should get a better response than that, all right? We, we eat and we celebrate. I'm, maybe everybody's on a diet this week and is not feeling like partying, but we like to party, right? Uh, we we want to celebrate together. We want to have fun together. We want to be the place in the community where the party is happening, Everybody always tells me, like, it's amazing that Jesus spent so much time with the sinners. It's amazing that Jesus hung out with the tax collectors and the prostitutes and all the people that were running far away from him. That doesn't amaze me at all. That's the heart of God. What amazes me is that they wanted to hang out with him. I don't know a lot of churches where there's a bunch of prostitutes who are hanging out saying, I want to get in there because something's happening there and I want to see what's happening. I don't know a lot of churches or church communities that are known as being the celebrators in their communities, the ones who see the joy in life, the ones who see the good stuff and lean into the good stuff and invite the rest of the community in. We we become known for what we're against, not what we're for. And so we wanna be a community that eats together. We wanna be a community that celebrates together. That's the fun stuff, all right? I think we can all get behind eating. I think we can do that. And we got some people that can cook in here, right? The Schaefer's House Church, raise your hand. Schaefer's House Church right there. If you want good food, Schaefer's House Church, I'm telling you right now, that's where it's at. They can cook. It's incredible. Um, they're the ones who are bringing the, the goodness to the meals. So we eat and celebrate. The second thing that we do is that we learn and we pray. We learn and We pray. And so we want to continually be learners. We want to continually inhabit the posture that we talked about over the last few weeks, which is that we listen to God, and when he speaks, we obey. And so we want to be learners, but we also want to be prayers. We want to be about our Father's business. We want to know the voice of our shepherd. We want to continue to lean in to all the things that the Father's called us to be. And then the last thing, you guys are way ahead of me on this. We're not at that stuff yet, so slow down a bit. Uh, The last thing is that we want to bless and serve. We want to bless and serve. And so we are constantly looking for ways to bless and serve the neighborhood that we're a part of, the community that we live in, and each other. And there's a difference between blessing and serving, right? Serving is finding a felt need and addressing it. I need this and I can give this to you, so I'm going to do this. Blessing is just encouraging, it's walking beside, it's being with, it's standing there with each other because sometimes I don't really have a tangible need, I just need brothers and sisters who will stand with me. I need people who will encourage me, I need people who will urge me on, I need people who will call the best out of me, I need people who will sharpen iron with iron and sit with me when I'm at my worst and when I'm at my best and maybe eat and celebrate with me. Sometimes that's what we need. So those are the rhythms that we're looking to lean into. And, 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 and if you're sitting here saying, man, I've been coming to this church forever and I haven't experienced a lot of that, I might suggest that you're not experiencing all of what we have. So I love Sundays. Are you with me? Sundays for a pastor, that's like game day right? It's, it's the day that you prepare for, it's the day that you pray about, it's the day that you, you stand up and you do your thing. I love Sundays, and I love what happens here on Sundays, but I need you to understand, Sundays are one expression of who we are. Sundays are not all that we are as a church. We we believe that the church is far more valuable seven days a week than, than a couple hours on Sunday. And we believe that our faith encompasses our whole life, that God is not inviting me to a two-hour Bible study. He's inviting me to surrender and sacrifice my whole life to him and to lay it down. And so we want to be a part of life together. And so today, what we're really going to talk about is house churches. Uh, It's a huge expression of who we are. Now, house church might be a new phrase or a new wording for some of you. Um, It's not a small group. Uh, so, if you're used to small groups, the difference between a small group and a house church is this small groups are about you, house churches are about the world. So, small groups are about, I need to get my teaching fixed for the week, I need to learn a little more, I need to grow a little more, I need to get something for me, and they become very insulated, they become very self centered, and they become all about what can I get. A house church says, I don't want this just to be about me. I want this to be about the world. Uh, if, If you're familiar with the term missional community, that's also a very good term. So what we hope in our house churches are that two things are going on. The first is that each of our house churches have a mission. And this mission is something that we can do together that we can't do on our own. It's that we're pursuing where we believe God is calling us together in the community. And the second thing is we want people to belong. We want family to happen in these missional communities, in these house churches. We want people to be connected to each other and connected to the mission of God. And here's the, here's the reality. In this room, there are a bunch of you who are really excited about the mission, All right? I can tell you who you are. You are the people who wanna get stuff done. There are lost souls in our community. There are needs to be addressed. There are broken people. There are hurting people. And you want to get out there and you want to make a difference and you want to be involved and you want to be engaged and you want to take that next mountain or that next hill that the Lord has placed in front of you and you want to get some stuff done. And some of you in this room, you are thrilled about the mission of God. You wanna be all about the mission of God. You're super excited about the mission of God. There's a second set of people who are like, yeah, the mission's kinda cool, but I really just wanna belong. I wanna be a part of a family that loves each other I wanna care for each other, I wanna pray for one another, I wanna lift each other up, I wanna encourage each other, I wanna stand with each other, I wanna be a part of what's happening. I would suggest that these two things are the most central questions that any human asks their entire life. Who am I, who do I belong to, and what am I supposed to do? And so we would suggest this happens in our community. So here's what happens. Sometimes what we do is we have mission without belonging. So we've got a lot of mission going on, but there's not a a lot of family. There's not a lot of connection happening. There's not a lot of belonging happening. What we have there is we have a service project. We've all done service projects, right? Is there anything wrong with a service project? No. Nothing wrong with a service project. But we believe a service project is not the greatest way that we become transformed. The reason why is the text we're about to read here in a few minutes in Acts. So we believe that God has called us not just to be for people. So God took on the posture of of the word, the, the theological word is the incarnation. Jesus came and he dwelt among us. He incarnated himself and he became like us. Which means God moved his posture from being a posture of I am for you to I am with you. Does that make sense? Oftentimes what happens with service projects is we have the posture that we are for somebody, right? We are for you today, we're gonna help you today, we're gonna serve for the next two hours today, but we're not consistently going to be with you. Our hope is that we create cultures that are both for and with. Uh, uh, Service projects get the kingdom perspective right, but they don't get the covenant perspective right. And so we're doing the Father's business, we're active, we're moving, something's getting done, but we're not knowing each other or the people that we're serving along the way. Does that make sense? Uh, What happens over here is when we have family and belonging without mission, what we create is a community group. Have you ever been a part of a, a really good community group or a small group where everybody just loves each other? Like You guys really like hanging out together. You're really good at the eating and celebrating part. Uh, you're really good at, at diving in. You feel connected to everybody in the room. Everybody's kind of like you. You, you, you kind of love what's going on in that space. That, that's a community group. And, and what's happening here is you are with each other, but you're not for anything. So you have family without mission, You've created a group where you really love each other, you love being together, but you're not actually impacting anybody other than your individual lives. Uh, If there is no mission and belonging, I just like to call this an awkward small group. (laughs) Has anybody ever been to an awkward small group? Come on, be honest. I've been to lots of them. Uh, Like the ones where there's like a guy who's like reading the questions. How does Matthew 24 make you feel? right, like those kind of ones, or, or you walk into the room and you're like, oh my goodness, what did I just walk into? Uh, that's an awkward small group, right? There's, there's, you, you don't feel like you belong to anybody. You're not really going anywhere, and I would suggest it's not very fun to be there. We want to create a culture where we're living into this concept of house church, which comes from Acts 2.42. And we're saying to the world, we wanna belong to one another, we want family. Guys, I want our house churches to be the place where the big church gets small. I want our house church to be the place where we move from rows to circles. I want our house churches to be the place where we're really known, where we're really known. You can hide in here every week, I'll just be honest. You can come in every week, you can shake some hands, you can drink some coffee, you can sing some songs, and not genuinely get to know anybody in this space. We want to know each other because we can't bless and serve each other if we don't know each other. I can't can't lay down my life and self-sacrificially give to you if I don't know what your needs are, if I don't know what your hurts are, if I don't know what's going on, if I don't know how you're struggling with your kids or how you're struggling with your life. We want to become a place where, where this church is a place not for perfect people, but a place for broken people who are becoming who God has called them to be. And where we can bring our burdens to one another and lay them down and say, Christ, would you meet us in our place of need? Would you meet us in our place of brokenness? Because we would be, it would be ridiculous to just pretend like everything's great all the time. There's Sundays when you walk into this room and everything is not perfect. And everything is not great. And everything is not wonderful. And it's Okay. <laughs> it's okay to bring that stuff to the family of God. We don't need to fake it. God meets us in reality. And then the second thing we want to do is, is we want to be about the mission of God. I, 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 if I'm gonna be a part of a group, I want us to go somewhere. I want us to do something. I I want to be about the Father's business. I want to be serving and caring and loving. I want to be connecting with the neighborhood and the schools and, and all kinds of different places of need in our community. And I would love to be around some people who are able to help me get further than I could by myself. Because there's only a limited amount of impact I can have as the Hardman family. But when we invite a whole group, a whole section of the church together and say, let's start pursuing this, let's start getting after this, then suddenly our ability to make an impact, our ability to make a difference, our ability to connect is so much bigger and broader. And we've got reach, right? So we're rooted and we're reaching all at the same time. So where does this all come from? It comes from Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And here's where it starts. It says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so the first thing we see in there is that they devoted themselves to teaching. They devoted themselves to learning. They decided, hey, this is the posture that we're going to take as a church. We're going to be learners. So the apostles are the people who had been with Jesus And so what the community at large said is we wanna learn from the people who have been with Jesus. We wanna learn how to practice. We wanna learn what's the patterns that Jesus taught you. We wanna learn how to live into who he's called us to be. And so what we see is this pattern. God is the initiator, Jesus is the pattern, and the Holy Spirit is the catalyst. God is the initiator. So as we've been talking about the last few weeks, we listen to God and then we obey. We don't do mission for God, we do mission with God. And so God initiates, God sends, God calls, God leads, God is the head of the church. He's the one who tells us where to go. Then Jesus becomes the pattern, because we don't just want to capture the works of Jesus, we want to live into the way of Jesus, We don't just want to get the practices right. We want to get the posture right. And so we want the heart of Jesus in everything that we do. So we look to him and we look to his life saying, I want to become like Jesus. If Jesus was living my life, how would he live? If Jesus was was going to my school, how would he live? If Jesus was working in my workplace, how would he operate and how would he work? We want the posture of Jesus. So Jesus becomes the pattern. And then the Holy Spirit becomes the catalyst. The Holy Spirit becomes the prompting that drives us. He becomes the push and the pull of the church as we step out. And so we start with this posture of learning, understanding that he fills us, he gives us power, he sends us, he calls us, and so we've got to be committed to learning. So at Grace Marietta, that's what we're doing right now. Some of you are enjoying it more than others, but that's what we're doing right now is we're devoting ourselves to the teaching of the word. We do it every single week in this space. We do this every single week in house churches. We open the word together and we pray together and we say, who are we becoming together and what does it look like for us to lean into this and learn and become? The second thing that we see happening here is, and to the fellowship of breaking bread and to prayer. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And so our second value is that we eat and we pray, right? We eat and we celebrate. This is what we do. We celebrate together. We eat together. We enjoy life together. And this is interesting because what we see Jesus doing when he trained his disciples was he didn't just bring them to the temple and teach them. Jesus didn't run a class for them. He didn't do a 101, 201, 301, 401. He didn't enroll them in a collegiate class. He didn't teach like some of the great teachers of their day did. What Jesus did was he invited them into his everyday life and they journeyed together. And he taught along the way. He taught on the road. And so they were eating meals together as they were teaching. They were were gathering together. They were celebrating together. They were having fun together. They were going to the festivals together. All of these things were happening on the road as the journey began to happen. Now, here's what happens. Because we talked about how in this room, there's a bunch of really different people. And what happens is when you eat a meal together, walls get broken down. Barriers get broken down. All of a sudden, when we sit across the table from somebody, they are not that different from us. We live in a social media world right now where it's really easy for us to categorize, demonize, and put people in our little boxes until we sit across the table from them. It's very easy for us to name somebody. Well, you believe this, so you are this. You believe this, so you are this. And what we do is we polarize, we place people in boxes, and we name them before we actually know them. And what happens is when we sit down at the table, we start to realize, they're not that different from me this person is not that different from my family they're not that different from the way that i live the way that i think i i start to understand other people's perspectives we've become a culture that wants to be heard but doesn't want to listen and it's incredibly dangerous and can i just say it's in causing incredible incredible damage to our children the example that we're setting to our children is terrifying That we're always right that we always have the answer that we don't listen to those kinds of people that we don't have conversations with people who believe these kinds of things that these people are just idiots and we need to stay away from them what we need to be creating is a culture of here's a table let's sit down and let's talk I believe 90% of the problems in this world could be solved with an open table I might be idealistic But I believe with an open heart and an open table, a lot of problems can get fixed. A lot of things can be solved. A lot of angst can be done. But we live in a world now where we can type something up real fast, and we don't have to look at a person when we do it, and it feels good to get our opinion out there and get our thoughts out there and get it said, but we don't ever have to interact or dialogue with the person that we send it with. And something has changed and transformed when we come to the Lord's table that we can't ignore in scripture there are 59 passages about this that use this phrase one another 59 passages in the new testament be at peace with one another, Mark 9, 50. Honor one another above yourselves, Romans twelve ten. Serve one another in love, Galatians five thirteen. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, Ephesians 4. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ, Ephesians 5, 21. In humility, consider one another better than yourself, Philippians 2, 3. I could go on and on. I could read 59 of those passages, but over and over again, Jesus and the gospel writers and the folks that started the early church said one of the most important things that you have to remember is one another. How we love one another, how we care for one another, how we walk with one another, how we invite one another into our lives, how we serve one another. It's one of the most distinct and important things about the church is what do we do with one another? And over and over again, there's this pointing back to the table. There's this pointing back to eating and praying together and fellowshipping together. So when we do fun things at the church, it's not wasted stuff. Like I get some of you who are like, you're the really serious ones and you just want to memorize judges and, 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 and you're like, why are we doing this neighborhood thing? Like why are we, why did we have water slides out there? Why are we, because this stuff matters. Because gathering people in homes, because building relationship, because fellowshipping with one another, because declaring to our community, we are for you and we are with you matters. And so we want to live into that and we want to lean into that. Uh, Next up, it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. So number three, what they saw the Holy Spirit move in them and through them. They saw miracles. They saw the Holy Spirit moving and working. And and there's there's this really significant thing. They didn't just see the Spirit working around them. They saw the Spirit working through them. There is a huge difference. There's a way that we can take on the posture of consumers in the church which is like, I gotta come in on Sunday to get my Holy Spirit fixed for the week. I gotta get my word for the week. I gotta get my good songs for the week. And then we walk away evaluating everything based on whether it met my preferences. And if the Holy Spirit moved and I got that tingly feeling in my heart for a few seconds, and if the pastor made me laugh three times but didn't go longer than 35 minutes, and and if there was not an awkward transition at any point in the service, then I'm in. And what we're saying to the Spirit in that moment is, I want you to work in me and around me, but not through me. Our posture is that we don't want to just get a word from God, we want to become a word from God. We want to become the word made flesh, lived out in our communities. Guys, I don't want to just see the Holy Spirit moving, I want the Holy Spirit to move in me and through me. Like I don't, I don't want to just see like crazy. Like this talks about miracles and awe and wonder. I want to see at Grace Marietta things that cannot be explained other than God. We have some of those moments here, and I want more of them. I hope you all do too. I want those moments where, where the doctor comes and says, I can't explain this. It doesn't make any sense. There's nothing in the medical history that explains why the cancer's gone, but it's gone. Can we get more of that up in here, right? I want those kinds of moments. I want those moments where, where there's something that happens, where the Spirit unleashes itself, where God does something incredible, and we just look at it and we say, that's only God. That's not because Tyler sang some good songs and Ben opened Acts chapter two. That's because God did something in us and through us and around us that was special and meaningful. And I hope for all of you that you don't wanna just watch that, but you wanna participate in that. This is what was happening in the early church. Miracles were happening. Incredible things were happening. Things that you're like, only God could do this. Things were happening. And we want to invite the Spirit to do those things. We want to see those things happen in our midst. I want to believe that God could do immeasurably more than we hoped for or imagined. Every single time we gather together. I want to come expecting the Spirit of God to do something in us and through us. (laughs) <laughs> and I want to experience the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I want to experience this, just the, the presence of the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. Next is everyone, oh, oh I'm sorry. Next is four, verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had a need. And number four, what we see is, is they self-sacrifice for the good of the community. These, remember, these are the practices. These are the rhythms. These are not the core values that the disciples put on the back wall of their church. These are the practices and rhythms and routines that they lived into every single week. They were together. That's the first thing it says. They had everything in common which doesn't mean they all like the same sports teams, all dressed the same way, all listen to the same types of music. They were very different in what they loved and what they liked. What it means is they were in common as they were pursuing the same things. They were pursuing the same things. They were after the same things. And then it says this, they sold their property, they sold their possessions, and they gave to anyone who was in need. We wanna be a community that's about radical generosity. We want to be a community that's about how do we give ourselves away. Part of being a follower of Jesus is that you pour yourself out. It's the truth. You pour out your bank account, you pour out your time, you pour out your treasures, you pour out your gifts, you lay down everything to the God who it belongs to in the original space, trusting that He's going to be the one that fills you back up. And so we believe in radical generosity. We believe in going above and beyond. And I'll just be honest with you guys. You guys don't see all the books and all the things that we do as a church. We take some risks as a church. We give generously sometimes to the community when it would be easier for us to save that money to fix some things around the building we, we, we give radically. We, we want to bless and we want to serve and we want to meet needs and so we try and come alongside of people in a way where we can meet them and love them and serve them but what has to happen first is you have to know each other. We cannot bless each other and serve each other and know each other's needs if we're not living in community together and so we gather together which is the next passage. So verse 46, it says, every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together. See, eating's in there twice, guys. <laughs> With hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So here's, here's the pattern. They gathered and they scattered. They gathered in the temple together and then they scattered off to their homes. And what's interesting about the New Testament is in the New Testament, the word for home is the word oikos. It's not, it's what we use for yogurt, Uh, but it's the word, it's the word for home or household. And what we see happening over and over, the reason that the gospel spread as quickly and as rapidly as it did through the early church was not because the temple experience was something incredible. It was not because there's this amazing preacher that everybody's coming to hear and they've got a good band and they've got some good programs for kids. The reason the gospel spread, the reason the church grew, is it went from house to house to house to house. And over and over again, as we read through the book of Acts, what you're going to see is this phrase and the whole household came to know Christ. The whole household. So I believe that when, when fathers and mothers become saved, when their lives are transformed by Jesus, then kids, kids are following soon. I believe that when that happens, neighbors are following soon. And what we see is we see multiplication of the church. We see the church growing because we're multiplying from house to house to house to house and becoming something that we couldn't come become by ourselves. So that means that Sunday was not the thing Gathering in the temple was not the thing. It was part of who they were. It was an expression of who they were, but it wasn't the only thing that defined them and said, this is who I am. It was one part of a larger journey that they were part of. So they gathered and they scattered. And then the last thing, and it says this, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So they grew in both numbers, which means the attendance grew, right? There's more people showing up and they grew in salvations. They grew in the number of people who were saying, this Jesus, I want him. This story that you're telling, I wanna be a part of it. This journey that you're naming, I, I, I want it, I need it. I Can I be a part of it? And the disciples over and over again are using the same phrase, repent and believe, and be baptized. Turn from the way that you're heading because there's a better way to live that I wanna show you. Believe and trust that God is your Lord, that he's gonna do good things for you, that he's working and moving in your everyday life, and let's get baptized. And so our hope, guys, and this is, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be really truthful and really vulnerable with y'all. My prayer for our church is not that we just add a bunch of people from other churches who think we've got a better program. The American church has been doing that for the last 30 years and it's garbage. It's getting us nowhere. My hope for the church, and and if if you are here from another church, thank you, and 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 uh, and we can use you because we need leaders around. But my hope, like guys, I hope that this is our desire. I hope our desire is that I want to see lives transformed. Amen. I want to see people changed. I I want to see radical transformation from the gospel. I, I want to see people who say. I didn't know Jesus until today and now I do. I, 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 want, I want there to be an unlimited supply of people who are wanting to be baptized. Hey, we're doing baptize, baptisms like three or four times a year right now. I, I would love to get to a point where baptisms is something that happens every week because the Spirit's moving in that way and the Spirit's drawing people to us. Would you pray with me for that? Because right now, here's the reality of where we are. We're growing and we're growing rapidly. We've doubled in size in the last year and we're continuing to grow. But 90% of the folks that have joined us are folks that are joining us from other churches. And I would love for us to be reaching people who are unreached right now. I'd love for us to be reaching people who don't know Jesus and connecting with them and being a part of them. Uh, And I'd love to see salvation come. I'd love to see what it says in that passage, the Lord Notice it says the Lord did it. It didn't say like the good preaching added to their number daily or the, the good songs added to their number daily or that they did a new sound booth and that added to their number daily. It, it said the Lord dramatically through his power added to their number daily. And that's what we want to see happening here. I, I, guys, I want to be doing two services here. I don't know that I want to do three yet. Uh, that feels tiring. But I wanna I want be able to fill up two rooms like this full of people. I want us to continue to grow and I want us to continue to see who God has called us to be. But I think that only happens when we commit to gather and scatter together. When we commit to gather here and learn and trust that God is working and then scatter, when we pray that the Holy Spirit will use us, when we have this humble posture that says, Lord, would you show up, when we eat together and we celebrate together and we have a good time, that's why I believe our practices are far more important than our intentions. Because we can read this and I can talk about the aspirational things of who we want to become, or I can invite you into our practices. And I would love to invite you into who we are. And who we are takes shape here, and it takes shape all throughout the week in house churches. If you guys got your kind of bulletin when you came in, on those bulletins is a list of all of our house churches. Uh, There are one, two, three, four, five, and then there's one that's not listed here. We have a Tuesday night house church. It meets at 8 p.m. at Kennesaw State University that's for college students. Uh, These guys right here are the leaders. Raise your hands right here. Woo, woo, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna wrap up the service. We're gonna move to a time of communion. We're gonna have the ministry team come up, and and if you want to be prayed for, if you want to pray, if there's a need that's going on in your life, if there's uh, if you just want to know more about Jesus, if you want to connect in a new way, we'd love to pray with you. And then we're gonna go out on the front porch out there, and we got lemonade and cookies today on the front porch. No burgers today, but lemonade and cookies, and. Everybody who is a house church leader, would you raise your hand right now? All the house church leaders in the room, raise them high, raise them high, raise them high. I would love it. They're all gonna have name tags on that say house church leader, and I would love it if some of you just, who are not attached to a house church, would just find out which one of these people you like the most, and which one is not (laughs) awkward. All right, so could we do like a house church speed dating? No, I'm just kidding. But, But I would love for you to meet some of these folks and just ask them, hey, what does your house church do? Tell me about your house church. When do you meet? What's going on? Tell me how God is working. Can my family be a part of it? Is this a good place for kids? Is this a bad place for you? Like, ask them some questions and then find one and say, I'm gonna hang out with you guys this week. And take the risk and step in and be a part of it. When, when I was in ninth grade, I showed up to church. And I'll be really truthful to you guys. I didn't listen to a single sermon. The preacher was average at best. The songs were terrible, There was not a single song that we sang ever that I ever wanted to sing again. (laughs) The people up front were wearing suits and I thought I'm not like those people. Everybody seemed old and I felt like I don't wanna connect with them. But there was these four guys They were all my age that invited me to start hanging out with them. And we just started like eating meals together and laughing and doing what kids did in the 80s (laughs) and, and, and just spending time together. And all of a sudden our little group of five became a group of 10 and that group of 10 became a group of 20 and that group of 20 became a group of 50 and all of a sudden there was this group of peers that I did life with and, and here's the thing, and this is absolutely true. I, like I, I did not know what I had when I was with those guys. I did not know that I would look back on my life 30 and 20 years into the future and say, I've never had a group of friends like that since then. I've never had a group of friends who urged me on, who called the best out in me, who told me that I could be a preacher. They really did tell me that, right? Like I had never had a group of friends who loved me and cared for me and welcomed me in. And all of a sudden, I belonged before I became and I was a part of this family, and out of this belonging, and out of this family, God started to birth a mission, and God started to call me to be into the ministry, and I started to think, what would happen if I preached, but I didn't wear a suit, and we sang songs that people liked, Uh, and not everybody was over 90. Like, what would it look like if we could do that kind of church, right? And, And God started birthing something new. This is our hope, guys. There's a bunch of kids like me, there's a bunch of families like me. Scripture says that God sets the lonely in families, that he invites us in, that we become known for our compassion and our kindness and our generosity and our love, and we wanna belong, and out of that belonging comes mission, and all of a sudden, the church starts moving and starts multiplying, and we start to see the unstoppable nature of the church of God. Guys, the church is a mess. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'll be really truthful for you. Our church is a mess. We're not perfect. We don't get everything right. We're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna do some things wrong. But the one thing that we're committed to is doing life together and pursuing God alone. And if you wanna be a part of that, we say, come on, we'd love to invite you in. I know some of you have been coming on Sundays. We wanna invite you into the rest of our life. You've been coming and hanging out on the weekends and listening to the teaching. We wanna invite you deeper into a relationship with us. So I'm gonna pray. We're gonna take communion. We've got communion stations set in the front and in the back. As you go to that table, would you just continue to pray that God would do immeasurably more than we hoped for or imagine? Could we just humbly ask him to move and work in us and through us? Could you ask him that we become a people not of good intentions, but of good practices? Could you pray for Grace Marietta? And maybe gather with some of your house church folks and pray with them. Gather with some friends and pray with them. The ministry team's gonna be up front and then we're gonna wrap up in worship. So Heavenly Father, I pray that whatever we do, we'd be about your business. I pray that you would move and work in a fresh way. I pray that your Holy Spirit would breathe And we would experience the spirit in a new and a fresh way. I pray that we would see salvation come into the house of the Lord. I pray that we would see chains broken. I I pray that we would see freedoms for the captives. I pray that we would be able to be a blessing to this community. I pray that we would be able to have more resources so we can give more. I pray that we would be able to do things that we can't even imagine or hope for. And I pray that you would be the center of every single bit of it Father we don't want to choose our preferences we don't want to create a church for us we want to create a church for you and so we are in desperate need of your spirit. We're in desperate need of your leading. We're in desperate need of your word. We're in desperate need of leaders who will follow you and pursue you. And so I pray that you bring us all that we need. We trust you as our provider. We trust you as our protector. We trust you as the one who brings the fruit, and we promise that we'll be the ones who are faithful. So walk with us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.